kind of being patient. I was told last week that I need to be a little patient and wait for people to connect with us and find the page. So that's what I'm doing. Just taking a little bit of time for folks to get uh, tuned in uh, to the live stream. And as soon as my assistant tells me how many we have, then we'll get started. say thank you to the Dubois family and the Ben uh, for the great job that they did today and that they did last week and a special thanks to Jakey buddy you did a great job I'm proud of you thank you thank you for serving I want to say thank you for brother Jeff <coughs> for teaching our Sunday school class uh, we're blessed church to have folks that are willing to step up and serve and even in times like this, difficult times like this, who are willing to serve and go the extra mile. I want to say again, thank you to Brother Damon for all his hard work and for Miss Samantha for all the work she's done with our, our kids and keeping in touch with our kids and the children's program. Uh, everybody's doing a great job. I know it's kind of a strange time, a difficult time, but uh, it's all right. We're going to get through this, and we're going to do whatever we need to do uh, through this time to make sure that the church continues uh, being the church and serving and continue sharing the gospel with the lost world. How many we got? Almost 50. All right, let's get started. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. I am, uh, folks, convinced today more than ever that one thing that every person is desiring, one thing that everybody is looking for, is peace. Now, I, I know that people are looking for, for peace. They need peace of mind in times like this. They want peace of heart in times like this, in times of uncertainty and troubling times. So what I want to do this morning, a very simple message, I want to talk to you about peace. Now, this morning's message goes along with what I preached last week about worry. Uh, and I hope you know this, that, that worry and peace, they are mutually exclusive of each other. But I want you to look with me. Philippians chapter 4. This morning I'm reading out the ESV translation. Paul says, and he's writing to the church at Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. This is verse 4, verse 5. Let your reasonableness or your moderation be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious or don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7, this is a powerful verse. This is the end result of following Paul's prescription and Paul's plan here. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the guidance it gives, the encouragement that it gives. We thank you that your word has stood the test of time. And your word is truth. And I pray that we would take it in today and apply it to our hearts. I pray that our minds would be open. That our hearts would be uh, in tune to what it is you're saying to us. Father, speak to us today. We need to hear this message. But I pray we would not just hear it that we would apply it to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Now, folks, there are several different types of peace that are spoken of in Scripture. One is eternal peace. Now, that's peace with God. 
Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, now he's talking to Christians, those who have given life to Jesus Christ, he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then there's also external peace. That is uh, peace uh, with others. That's peace from God. Paul also speaks about this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. He tells us as Christians, he says, as much as life in you or as much as it's possible in your life, you be at peace with all men. So there is eternal peace, external peace, but there also is internal peace. That's what Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5. And verse 22, when he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and he lists peace as a fruit of the Spirit. This is the peace of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Or put another way, he says, Let the peace of God govern your life. Now I want you to understand what peace really is, folks. Peace, uh, peace is an assurance of God's control, which results from obedience to God's commands. Now, God said to the nation of Israel in Isaiah chapter 48 and verse 18, He said, Oh, that you had heeded, <coughs> excuse me, oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. Now, even if you're saved, you still need to have that peace of God in your life. As I heard uh, one preacher put it so uh, elegantly, he said, You need that peace as a Christian because even the upright, they can get uptight at times. Amen. And I think that many of us understand that. You can have peace. You can have perfect peace, overflowing peace, abundant peace. I'm telling you, you can have peace in the stormiest seas of sorrow and suffering and uncertainty. You can have the peace of God in your life. If you follow Paul's simple prescription here in Philippians chapter 4. Now, what Paul does, he tells the Philippian believers and uh, by the Holy Spirit also tells us that if we'll take these certain steps every day of our life, then notice again verse 7. He says this is, is what's going to happen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now the first thing today that I want you to understand that I want you to know about peace is that peace is a matter of focus. Look at verse 4. Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Now listen to me friend. You cannot rejoice in the Lord if you don't know the Lord. And you cannot rejoice in the Lord if you don't know the Lord and your focus is not on the Lord. Now I can assure you, when your focus is on the Lord, you're going to rejoice in the Lord. And when you're rejoicing in the Lord, you're going to have peace of the Lord in your life. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, Isaiah says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Church, I want to remind you of something I said a couple of weeks ago in a message. It's out of Matthew 14. You remember the story. The disciples are in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. A storm is <coughs> excuse me, is blowing through, and they see someone walking on the water. And as this individual gets closer, Peter realizes this is Jesus, and he calls out to him and says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you. You remember what Jesus said to him? He said, come on, Peter. Get out of the boat. Step out on the water. Peter stepped out and began to walk on the water. And everything was fine as long as Peter stayed focused on Jesus Christ. But just the, the very moment, the instant that he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to see the waves as they were crashing around him, he began to think about the storm all around him. He began to think about how far it was back to the boat and how far it was to Jesus. And he took his eyes off Christ 
and he began to sing. The great Christian Corey Ten Boom, who her and her family helped many folks escape Nazi Germany, and she also survived the concentration camps in Nazi Germany. She said this one time, when I look at the world, I get distressed. When I look at myself, I get depressed, but when I look to Jesus, there I find rest. Now, friend, I'm going to let you in on a little secret about peace. Are, are you listening to me? Let me tell you about peace. Peace is not the absence of problems. Now, I realize there are a lot of folks that want to preach that, want to teach that. That is uh, di directly opposed to what God's Word teaches. Peace is not the absence of problems. Let me tell you what peace is. Peace is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of your problems. You see, friend, you cannot always rejoice in the losses, but you can always rejoice in the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 4. Notice the reason for this rejoicing. We're told to rejoice in the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to get. The guy that's writing these words, he was not some pastor standing behind a pulpit in a plush church. He was not even some pastor sitting behind a desk or a table with a cup of coffee live streaming a Bible study or a message. No, no, this man that's writing these words, he was a preacher in prison because of his faith, because of preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And from a prison cell, he tells his brothers and sisters in Christ there in Philippi, he says, rejoice in the Lord. See, Paul wrote these words uh, in a Roman dungeon, a Roman jail, a prison, uh, chained to a Roman guard, facing a certain death. How could Paul say that, friend? It was his focus. That was the key. Let me remind you, there are three things, three things, Christian, that you can always rejoice in, no matter what's happening to you or what's going on around you. Number one, you can always rejoice in the grace of God that saves you. Number two, you can always rejoice in the goodness of God that secures you. And number three, friend, if you're a Christian, you always can rejoice in the glory of God that encompasses you, that surrounds you. But notice also verse 4. He talks about the time for this rejoicing. Not only are we to rejoice in the Lord, but we're to rejoice always. And you know, I've preached this many times over the years, and I've had people ask me, and I preach them, uh, always. What exactly does that mean? Well, come on. I think most of us understand English. What does always mean? It means always, in all things, in all times, always. That means morning, noon, and night. That means uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all day Sunday. That means winter, spring, summer, or fall. That means when the sun's shining or the storm's raging. That means whether we think it's good or whether we think it's bad doesn't make any difference. We are to rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something right here that most people do not know. The reason why most people live their lives and never find peace is because they're looking for peace. Friend, listen to me. You're never going to find peace by looking for peace. The only way you're going to find peace is by looking for and finding the Lord Jesus Christ. Great Methodist preacher, Charles Wesley, he said that uh, when he looked to Jesus, that the dove of peace flew into his heart. But when he looked at the dove of peace, it flew away. Wesley understood, folks, peace that is a matter of focus. But the second thing I want to tell you about peace, not only is it a matter of focus, but look at verse 6. If you're going to have peace, enduring peace, everlasting peace, if you're going to have the peace of God in your life, you need to understand it's also a matter of faith. Notice verse 6. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. I believe the King James says, be careful uh, for nothing. <coughs> Excuse me, a better translation or rendering of that would be, don't worry about anything. 
He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, just as focus in verse 4, just as focus in verse 4 deals with praise, I want you to understand that in verse 6, faith deals with prayer. And I want you to see the attitude of this prayer. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Now, I'm going to say it again. I hope it sunk in the first time. If not, I hope you catch it this time. Peace and worry are mutually exclusive. I told you last week what worry does. It pulls tomorrow's clouds over the day's sunshine. The word worry, and I told you this last week too, I believe, uh, it comes from an old German word that means to strangle or to choke. And that's exactly what worry does. Worry throttles our thinking. Worry, it chokes out the truth. Worry, it suffocates our spiritual life and prevents us from having peace in our lives. Now, I want you to consider, and I want to tell you what worry is and what worry actually does. Number one, folks, think about this. Worry, first of all, it is a distrust in the sovereignty and the wisdom of God. You see, when you worry, when I worry, what we're doing, we're really saying, God, I just don't think you can handle this problem. God, I don't think you're big enough to take care of this problem. And, and what we're saying is, God, I just don't trust you to handle my burden. So I'm going to carry this burden myself and I'm going to worry about it. Let me tell you, furthermore, worry is a denial of the word of God. When we worry, what we're actually saying is, God, I don't believe you're going to keep your word. I don't believe you're going to keep the promises that you made. Now think about this, and you know this. There are some tremendous promises in God's word. One that I think of that comes to mind that everybody knows is in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. When you, when you deny, when you worry and deny the word of God, you're saying like this promise here in Romans 8, 28, where it says that all things, we know that all things work together for good. Uh, for those that love God. They work together for our good and for His glory. You're saying, I just don't believe your word. I'm not going to take you at your word, God. Let me tell you the third thing worry does. It's also rebellion against or defiance of the will of God. Remember, I, I used this last week. Jesus spoke in Matthew 6, 34, and He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry is totally, folks, completely out of the will of God. Uh, and God's not the author of worry. He's not the author of confusion or worry. He's the author of peace. You know, I think all of us, we need to be more like the guy that I, I read about that he was, a, he was a terrible worrier. I mean, he worried all the time. He would worry if he didn't have anything to worry about. He was one of these guys, one of these people that their worry worries other people. You ever been around somebody like that? I think they're, they're, we have folks like that. Their spiritual gift is worrying, and they just worry constantly. Well, this guy was so bad about worrying that it was hurting him uh, in his life, in his job. Every morning he'd get up and walk out of the house to go to work, and he looked like an unmade bed. He had circles around his eyes. He was just miserable. Well, one morning he got up, he walked outside the door. His neighbor was standing out by the car and saw him. Well, this guy walked out. He was singing. He was uh, happy. You could see there was a glow about him. His neighbor said, hey, man, what happened to you? He said, I have never seen you like this. The guy said, well, i tell you what, I don't have a worry in the world. Man, I'm happier than I've ever been. His neighbor said, well, what happened? The guy said, I'll tell you what I did. I hired a professional worrier. The guy said, a professional worrier? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I hired him. His job is just to worry for me so I don't have to. His neighbor said, man, that sounds like a deal. He said, what does something like that cost you? He said, $1,000 a day. His neighbor said, $1,000 a day? You don't have that kind of money. How are you going to pay that man? 
The guy said, I don't know. That's his worry. Now listen to me, folks. I'm not telling you that God's a professional worrier because God, he never worries about anything. He doesn't have to worry about anything. I'm going to remind you again, God is sovereign. How many of you have heard this old saying? That there are no worries or no panic in heaven. Just well laid plans. God doesn't worry. God's not a professional worry. But I'll tell you what God is a professional at. And that is taking our burdens. Taking our worries from us. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7. If we will cast our cares upon him. He cares for us. Now listen to me. You know what we need to do with all of our cares? What we need to do with all of our worries? We need to turn those cares and worries into prayers. Because if anything... Uh, is worth worrying about, then I'd say it's worth praying about. Amen? Now, if it's not worth praying about, then it's not worth worrying about. If a care is so small that we don't think we need to make it a matter of prayer, then why in the world would we think we need to make it a burden? Uh, we're to be careful worrying about nothing but praying about everything. Also, I want you to notice, look at verse 6. Look at the scope of this prayer, what it encompasses. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known to God. Now notice, we're to pray about what? A few things, some things? No, everything. That's the scope. Prayer should encompass everything and leave out nothing. Now I know, I've been a pastor a long time. I know there are many Christians who pray about some things. There are many Christians who don't pray about anything. But the Bible makes it clear as children of God, as Christians, we are to pray about everything. We need, to, we need to pray and be like the young lady I heard about. Uh, she was about 30 years old, and uh, she had never been married, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. She became a Christian. And so she began to think about getting married. So she decided, I'm going to pray for a husband. And she was serious about it. So each night uh, before she went to bed, she took a pair of man's pants and hung them on the doorknob of the bedroom. And then she got on her knees beside the bed. She prayed this prayer. Father in heaven, hear my prayer and grant it if you can. I hung a pair of pants on the door. Please fill them with a man. Paul says we are to pray about everything. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Friend, one of the reasons why we are all so loaded down and burdened down and we have all these cares and all these worries and we don't have peace in our lives is because we do not take everything to God in prayer. You know, think of the words of that, that old song. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And I want you to notice something else. Notice the gratitude to this prayer. Paul says that we're to pray with thanksgiving. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. I know there's been a lot of praying going on the past couple of weeks. I watched the deal that was on the TV the other night, and, and, and it was great. Uh, so many people praying, so many people talking about uh, uh, their faith in God. and, and uh, But there were some things missing in the prayers. Now, I don't know if it was all this way. I didn't get to see all of it. I saw most of it. But there were some ingredients missing. I'm going to tell you, one ingredient that must never lack in prayer is thanksgiving. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, it reminds us, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. Friend, thank God every time you pray. Thank God for who He is. Thank God for what He has done. And thank God for what He will do in the future. The prayer needs to have thanksgiving. And while I'm on this point talking about prayer, it's not part of the message, but let me say this. There's another ingredient that ought to be in prayer that I have not seen. 
uh, in all the prayers that people are posting and, and people are, are praying and live streaming. Listen to me. There ought to be repentance. Repentance. I'm going to tell you what moves the heart of a holy God is a prayer of thanksgiving, humbleness, and repentance. So peace, remember, it's a matter of focus. It's also a matter of faith. But I want you to see the third thing. Peace is also a matter of fact. Friend, think about this. When your heart's filled with praise, and when your mind is filled with prayer, then your soul is going to be filled with peace. What happens when you rejoice in the Lord? What happens when you make everything a matter of prayer, and you take your concerns to God in prayer? Again, look at verse 7. Paul says, Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I was reading the other day in another sermon <clears throat> that a, another pastor had preached, and he told the story of how oceanographers tell us that the, the worst ocean storm uh, never goes deeper than 25 foot. Now what that means is uh, when those storms and hurricanes and all those things rage and rip across the Atlantic and across the Pacific and they cause these tidal waves at 100 foot or more, what that means is 25 foot below the surface, the sea is just as calm and tranquil as a, a, an Oklahoma farm pond on a hot sunny day. Now folks, listen to me. Do you know the only place you will ever find peace in the midst of life's storms? It's in a down, deep relationship with God. It's in a deep, personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a certain communist country where Christians have a saying. And they come up with this saying because of the persecution they face for their faith in Jesus Christ. And this is what they say. We're just like nails. The harder you hit us, the deeper you drive us. The deeper you drive us, the more peaceful it becomes. Friend, listen to me. You ought to allow the troubled times in your life and the times that we're going through right now, allow them to have their purpose in your life. And that purpose is to drive you deeper into a relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Notice carefully that this peace we're talking about is the peace of God. The Lord Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 27, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not peace like the world gives. He said, don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Friend, the peace of God is peace from God. I want you to listen real close. You'll never have the peace of God until you have peace with God. And the only way you're ever going to get peace with God is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want the peace of God upon you and in your life, then you better have the God of peace residing in your heart. I want you to look at something else. Look at verse 7 again. I want you to notice God's peace is also God's protection. Look at the words that's used here. Uh, this peace, is, he says that the peace of God, it guards our hearts and minds. Notice that word guard. I, I think it's the word keep in the King James Version. But in the Greek language, that word guard refers, it's a military term. It refers to a garrison of soldiers that were charged with the responsibility of defending the city. So let me make this personal with you, what it says. In other words, the peace that God gives, it stands like a marine at the door of your heart, posted there, and guards you from the troubles of this world. Now, friend, I'm telling you, everybody around us is looking for peace today, and most people are looking in every place but the right place. I know there are a lot of people that are looking for peace 
in, in pills or in a bottle or in some type of a drug or they're looking for peace, you know, peace in the, the medical profession or they're looking for peace uh, in their possessions. Why do you think people are hoarding everything they can find? They're trying to find peace. The problem is, friend, real peace, true peace, it's, it can only be found in a person. Not a place, not a thing, but a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody made this statement many years ago. They said God takes life broken pieces and gives us unbroken peace. There was a man by the name of Horatio Spafford that learned that firsthand from a personal experience. Now many of you may know the name Horatio Spafford and many of you may know his story. Horatio Spafford was born in 1828. He was a very wealthy man, very rich man. He was also a very devout Christian. He was a good friend with D.L. Moody, the, the great evangelist. He had a business in Chicago. Well, in 1871, the great Chicago fire happened. He lost his business. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, he also lost his only son, who was killed in that fire. Now, Horatio Spafford uh, had, a, had a cloud of grief and sorrow that was hanging about him uh, like London fog. He didn't know what to do about it. His wife also felt the same way. So he, he got his wife and his, his four daughters, and he told his wife, he said, Honey, you take the girls and go back to England. That's where she was from, and visit with your family for a while, and I will meet you and the girls there in a couple of weeks. So his wife and his four daughters got on a ship heading to England. Well, when the ship was within sight of land on the other side, just off the coast of England, a great storm hit that ship. And the ship capsized and went down. And all four of Spafford's daughters drowned. His wife survived and she sent a two-word telegram back to him in America. And the telegram said this, saved alone. Spafford, not realizing that his heart could break any more than what it was, was now devastated. His world had collapsed around him. He made his way to get on a ship and he sailed across the ocean and made his way there to England, and he picked up his wife, and they boarded the ship coming back to America. And he asked the captain of that ship, he said, Sir, would you mind when we come to the location where the ship that my daughters were on went down, where my daughters perished, would you tell me? The captain agreed. When they come to that location, the captain found him, said, Mr. Spafford, we are at the location of the accident. At that time, Horatio Spafford, walked out on deck of that ship and leaned against the railing. And with tears flooding out of his eyes and with a broken heart, he looked out over the waves and then he looked up to heaven. And then when his focus changed, he realized that God's word is true. Our God is the God of all comfort. And he began to speak words to Horatio Spafford's heart. And Horatio Spafford began to write those words down. And this is what he wrote. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. There's only one way that Horatio Spafford could have written that song, and that's because he had Peace. And the reason he had peace is he knew the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the peace I find in Jesus. Peace, 
No power on earth can shake. Peace that makes the Lord so precious. Peace that none from me can take. I'm going to say it again before we close. If you want peace, real peace, eternal peace, everlasting peace, peace that will guard your heart and mind through the storms of life, then friend, you must know the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Without Him, there is no peace in this life or the life to come. Now I want to close with this. I want you to remember, peace, it's a matter of focus. Rejoice in the Lord. Focus on Jesus Christ. It's a matter of faith. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And when you do those two things, when you realize that peace is a matter of focus and a matter of faith, then peace will become a matter of fact in your life. And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind through the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you again for the power of your word. Thank you for the comfort, the encouragement that it gives us. And Father, I pray for those who are, are watching or listening right now. <clears throat> they would take this message to heart. I know that all across the, the land, all across the world today, people are focused on uh, the virus and focused on the economy and focused on all these things. Father, let us focus on Jesus Christ. I pray we would focus on the power of your word, the written word, and the living word. Father, speak what we need to hear to us as we study your word. As we humble ourselves before you, and I, I pray we would, we would remember that when we come before you, we are coming before our God, our King, and our Sovereign. Father, we do so with a humble heart. We would do so with repentance and thanksgiving, seeking your face. In Christ's name, amen.